I will tell you what. Have I claimed that this is the number one weather podcast in America, nay, the world? I mean, I'm claiming it right now. So yes, technically, yes. I did not know. I had no idea I was running a true crime podcast as well. And I have not checked any any legitimate facts. I'm just going on intuition. I might be the first brown woman to have a true c- crime podcast, okay? This is huge. Huge for my people. Huge for the true crime industry. Let me tell you guys, we have a mystery on our hands. Welcome to the Sick Palette Podcast. My name is Deepa Shreeder. I'm your host. Um, we got a wine review. We got a wine review wrapped in mystery. Also, also, quick little mid-July weather check-in. It's hot. It's hot. And honestly, it could be hotter. There's a lot of people out there, a lot of people out there saying, wow, this, this one's a real, real hot summer. Every summer in Austin, Texas, this is hot. And I would like ERCOT to understand that every summer in Austin, Texas has been hot. <laughs> has been hotter at times, one would say. And yet, and yet, the state of Texas, whoo, the state is run not by all the people that live in Texas. I just want y'all to remember that when y'all when y'all are talking about your your red state, blue state solutions on Twitter. The state being run by a few mad men that doesn't represent all of Texas. Wow. Perfect weather section, I think. What are we talking about today? Today we are talking about one of my favorite uh, winemakers, his label, Field Recordings. Um, We've reviewed many a Field Recording wine, I feel, at this point. We're probably at the third or fourth uh, wine. And we're doing doing a a well-known label uh, called Fiction. Doesn't sound like a mystery yet, right? Perhaps you're saying to yourself, what mystery? How, how can this be a mystery? It all started. <clears throat> it all started last Monday. I was at my local South Austin wine shop, Brody Park Market, looking, looking for things to review. Go to the back section. And there are many, many a field recording wine, um, some that I've already been featured. And I've, I've, seen, I've seen the fiction label before, but I see, I see a fiction label that I have not seen before. It is a red and white label, um, 
and it is upside down. The label is, is on upside down. And I'm thinking to myself, this has got to be some sort of uh, marketing. Maybe this is the latest. You know, I feel like I know a lot of the fiction labels I've seen. I know there's several iterations of them. There's also like a fiction rosé. There's an orange wine. You know, there's different levels to this, different vintages. And I was like, okay, all right. Looks like Andrew Jones, the winemaker, he's doing something a little bit different and that's why it's upside down. This is going to tell me something about the wine. Pick it up. Go to my parents' house because on Tuesdays, this is when we get to review the wine um, with the whole family kind of giving, uh, giving their notes. I also look on the label and I realize like there is no year for the vintage. Um, and I don't think much about it until I had to research it later. So we'll start there. We'll start with, on Monday, sometime in the evening, a bottle of Field Recordings Fiction was picked up. The label was upside down. It was intriguing, yet not troubling yet. I'll tell you what, though. I'll tell you what. There's no mystery to the wine itself. It's, it's a fucking home run, okay? Um, especially I, I feel like, uh, getting, getting my father to taste the many different kinds of elect, uh, like eclectic natural wines that we've been featuring. Um, it's, it's been some tough stuff for him sometimes, <laughs> you know, I think, I think he can ultimately taste quality. Uh, but you know, this is, this is not his wines by choice. Um, he likes, he likes a big, bold Cabernet, you know, he likes a red that has some like stuff on it. Um, so that was another reason why I wanted to pick up, you know, a, a wine that was still going to be new for him, but give him a little bit of that big, bold, red feeling. Uh, while still being kind of true to the kind of wines we like to review on this podcast. Um, and that is what you're getting. I did chill this um, wine. And with the idea b- behind fiction, or as at least what I'm um, reading online, is that it's like basically like a kitchen sink wine. You know, there's like several different kinds of red grapes in it. And uh, it's just essentially trying to make the best possible kind of wine. Um, but it doesn't really have like a delineation of like, this is, this is a Cabernet. This is, this is mostly this. It's, it's really just about like, it kind of almost has like a house table wine-like feel to it. Um, but we, we chilled it. We chilled it. Um, popped it open. You're going to have a great time. Also, field recordings, let's just say you're walking in a store and you're saying to yourself, I really don't know what to get. 
if you go with anything from field recordings, it's probably going to be stellar. It's, I haven't had a wine where I'm like, whoo, not that one, not that one. It's just, it's a, it's a good sort of safe bet that you're going to like. You're going to like what you, what, what's the men's warehouse thing? You're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. You're going to like the way you drink. I guarantee it. <laughs> no, it's not the, you're going to like, you're going to like what you drink. I guarantee it. I don't think field recordings can use that though. Anyways, um, so this was um, this particular unknown year of this upside down label fiction. Um, let me let me pull it up. Let me pull up these little notes here. So 67% of it is um, organic Cabernet Sauvignon. 33% is organic Ruby Red, which I know that makes, that sounds like it's something like I just made up. We'll get into what Ruby Red is here in a second. And then it says potassium metabisulfite, um, which I know there's a lot of this, especially in the natural wine world. There's a little bit of that stigma of like when you see, when you see a word that says sulfite in it, you know, especially, ooh, potassium and meta and bi? Oh my gosh, what are we doing here? What have we put in the wine? Um, but I was, I was having, this reminded me of a meal I was having with this amazing Chilean winemaker a few weeks ago. We were talking about what he thought about the natural wine moment. And, um, you know, he was definitely for it, but he, he also said something that I thought was a really good point where he was just sort of like, when you think about baking bread, do you feel like if it's from wild yeast or natural yeast, like you are just trying to make the best possible loaf of bread at that moment in cooking, in cooking, you're trying to honor the ingredients to make the best possible thing. And if someone comes up to you and says it's natural bread, it's all natural bread, right? Which he's right. You know, if I'm, if I'm getting a yeast from the store or, you know, if instead I, I'm using a sourdough that is made from wild fermentation, one of them is a bigger flex, let's be honest, right? And I'm going to let you know about that flex. But both of them are going to be delicious, it's not going to be like, I'm so ashamed I used yeast this time. It's still going to be like, damn, that was some great bread. Thank you so much. Um, so that also kind of put things a little bit in perspective for me. I don't think it means like put a bunch of chemicals in your wine and do what you got to do, like turn that Capri Sun into alcohol, you know. <laughs> but I, I think it, it just sort of was... It was able to give, give maybe a little bit more grace in the things that we're excited about, especially when it comes to food and wine trends. You know, I feel like people sometimes get really caught up when a certain type of ingredient or a type of food culture kind of starts to pop. Um, 
suddenly, you know, it's, it is, it is just the offshoot of the internet, which is a beautiful and terrible thing all at the same time. Suddenly everyone's the expert and suddenly everyone understands what is good and what is not. And that is just, it's, it's simply more gray than we allow things to be. And, and, and that's really, that's really the truth. So I don't know if putting in the label, this potassium metabisulfite kind of negates, negates the whole like sort of, you know, uh, natural wine of it. It seems to me that this was something, and, and what, what that is, by the way, the potassium metabisulfite, the more, more times I say it, the more times I feel like I'm getting comfortable saying that, that word. It's, it's essentially, I mean, right, we see, we see that it says sulfite in the name. And I think like, we're kind of familiar with what self sulfites are. It's essentially, it's, it's something that is, that is sort of controlling the amount of oxygen, right? So when something is wildly fermented, it's, it's really about the oxygen that is, that is helping change the, the ecosystem of, of whatever, whatever is transforming that, like those sugars, right? So like when I'm, I'm having like a jar of like blueberries and I want them to be wildly fermented, I might, as a control, first put some salt in it and let everything mix in it. And that's, that's kind of my natural control in it. And then over the next couple of days, especially in a hot Austin summer, those blueberries are going to start sweating. And those blueberries are going to start essentially uh, making their own juice from themselves. And essentially what is happening is those sugars are getting eaten, eaten by the bacteria in the air, by the wild yeast. Yeast is literally everywhere, y'all. Every single where. And that is why it's very important to have a clean kitchen because, you know, <laughs> you can't control everything that's going on in the air, but um, you can control how clean your house is. And that will also help um, when you're doing your wild fermentation projects. It really does. It, it's, it's all connected. Um, but essentially, those sugars are getting eaten. They're getting processed. And you are getting, you're getting something that is soon going to be kind of like the idea of like a pop rock blueberry. Um, And you're going to get like a carbonated juice, you know. And if we let that sit long enough, perhaps we would get into maybe even some sort of blueberry wine territory. Though I am definitely not the expert there. Um, But hopefully we will be talking to an expert soon about all of that. Um, what I'm, what I'm essentially saying is that's, that's what oxygen is doing. So when you're adding a sulfite in your wine, you're essentially saying, you know what? These grapes are a little bit crazier. They've got a lot going on. Some of the stuff I trust, some of the stuff I don't. And I'm just going to put something in there to just sort of be like, guys, we just need a, we need a little bit of a control is how I'm understanding it. Um, so 
there, there lies the question that I have not answered. But there lies the question. Is this particular mystery bottle of fiction that I've never seen before, um, is, it, is it a natural, natural wine or not? I don't know, y'all. <laughs> okay. So the wine itself, let me tell you, this was such, such a joy for my father who has been having to drink things that are just not in his essential, you know, uh, what's it called? His, his flavor palette. And it, and it just reminded him of the good old days when he could buy his own wine on Tuesdays. <laughs> He's buying his own wine, but I mean, able to drink whatever he wants on Tuesdays. Um, it gave, it gave him really that feeling. And, um, while, while obviously introducing some, some new stuff there, it is full bodied. It is 13.9%. So this is, even though it's, it's hot in the summertime, if you add a little bit of chill to your reds, y'all, and open those reds up, put it in the fridge, just let it kind of sort of calm down. Then you decide to drink it. It's just going to be a better time. And I say just do that with any full-bodied red that you're wanting to drink in the summertime. If you're like, you know, I I am hell-bent on having red wine tonight, just add a little bit of chill to it. Don't worry about it. And listen, I don't know if that's exactly proper or not. I'll tell you. I'll tell you, though, if I'm outside on a porch and I'm drinking something with a little chill to it, particularly a red wine that is giving me so much body, then, yeah, chill that shit up. Um, it's giving you like lots and lots and lots of not just berries, my sister, her notes. It's, this is, this is like very much like a jammy blueberry compote, the, the liquid. And then I wrote, which doesn't sound like I'm honoring the wine, but I just thought maybe just a, just a phrase to have there, but jam after birth is... Because it's not, it's not jam. You're not getting full jammy, right? We're not talking, we're not in the Syrah territory here. But you are feeling like, huh, this is a funky jam compote feeling. It's, it's, it's smooth. It is not necessarily dry, but it doesn't, it doesn't have that sweet stickiness of jam. You're still getting something that is deeply pleasant um, to have. Um, jam afterbirth. I I'm stand by it. Okay. Um, tamarind test. Does it pass the tamarind test? Oh hell, yes it does. Um, the consensus was that this would be great with um, vendica mendium corimbra, which is a very South Indian dish where it's basically, it's like an okra, tamarind, korimba. Korimba is the cousin of sambar, which essentially, oh God, I'm so scared I'm going to use like anything that you hear on like an Indian restaurant menu when they try to like describe like what dosas are. And they're like, 
lentil crepe. And you're like, no, stop calling it a lentil crepe. It's a dosa, man. Get with it. Um, so how to describe a sambar? A sambar, it's like, it's, it's, it's a thicker rasam. It's got a lot more to it. Um, it's, it's a very complex lentil based, thinner than a gravy. Honestly, the consistency of a gumbo, truly. Um, and you have it with rice. So there you go. So this is the cousin of that, okay? Cornbread. Um, and we, we have lots of tamarind in it. But yeah, lots of okra tamarind pairing would be perfect with this wine. Uh, so it's, it's got a lot of that cab, cab sauvignon in it. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, what is ruby red? Because when I first saw that, I was like, is, is that just sort of like a catch-all? Like, <laughs> what is the ruby red grape? And so I did look it up. And I obviously, I clicked on the very first link because this is how deep the research goes here at Sick Palette. And we end up at Dr. What's up, Bagheera? I hear you. He's just, he's also adding to the podcast, obviously. Um, we get to Dr. Liz Thatch. I have no idea how qualified this Dr. Liz is, but um, says they are a wine writer, educator, and consultant. Okay. I like that. And consultant. Thank you. Thank you for consulting via this this blog post today. Very helpful. Um but it is a, it's, it's essentially, it's a, it's a hybrid grape that was developed uh, in California in the 1950s. Um, it's really easy to grow and it does really well in California's Central Valley. So essentially, it, it's like just a very uniquely Californian grape, um, which is also kind of cool um, that it's in this version of field recordings fiction because field recordings the whole the whole appeal i find about um the field recordings label as a whole is like it it really is kind of sort of like a love letter to california and the many different kinds of um amazing stuff being grown in california uh okay so we love it we're we're very much about this bottle that I cannot find, I have looked this up on the internet, cannot find what year this was made. And so I was thinking to myself, perhaps this was just a strange anomaly, right? But then I read, I read on the label, Bagheera, I'm about to get to like probably the most exciting part of this podcast. All right, do you want to tell it or should I tell it? I'm going to tell it. Um, one of the sentences on the label is, as our winemaking and viticultural knowledge evolved, we found more things we want to embrace. And the first step in turning our operation upside down is our full transition to organic viticulture. Upside down, right on the label. Listen, listen. Get me $10 million dollars like I'm on a good old murder podcast, okay? We got a mystery on our hands. So this was put upside down on purpose. 
So what I think moving forward, because like I said, I can't, I can't seem to find this particular label or bottle on the internet. I would love, I would love to know when this particular bottle was made. Was this the first iteration or is this the newest iteration of uh, fiction, right? We need answers at this point. We must know what's going on. So I have no idea if Andrew Jones ever listens to this podcast, but if you do, Andrew, tell me more about this label, okay? We got subscribers here on the edge of their seats. Bagheera, my cat, is interested. He won't, he won't stop talking about it. We're all here with bated breath. Um, but that's about it on that wine. Uh, coming up, so we just actually had our first day party, official day party for Sick Palette um, yesterday. I, I'm still recovering from said day party. Super fun. Thank you for all the amazing chefs and food players. <laughs> A food adjacent people, industry people in Austin for coming. Um, as usual, you guys, you guys make the party what it is. So what that means is on uh, the Sick Palette Substack, we're going to have another edition of uh, day parties. So we'll have the full menu. Um, I'm still trying to figure out if I want to do a podcast episode about it. There will be a recipe. You know, y'all know the deal. So that's coming up. Um, we've got some, some definitely some, obviously, wine reviews coming up. A couple fun interviews coming through. Um, and two newsletters uh, that are going to just be on the Sick Palette feed, the general feed. Uh, one of them is going to be about jaggery and the other one is going to really kind of delve more into wild fermentation with the pizza wave sauce recipe. Um, yeah, so thank you as always for listening. And if you're a free subscriber and you're like, hey, I'd like to try this on, just remember you can do a free trial. You get one week to kind of just like dig through all the archives and sort of see if this is like a good fit for y'all. So don't, don't be afraid to try on a free trial. And I will talk to you guys very soon. All right. Let's solve a mystery, hopefully, soon. Goodbye.